0: praise the lord praise the lord i want to welcome all our leaders in the district to our capacity building program in the name of the lord jesus christ i want to thank you all for making our time to be here with us um, today i have no doubts by the grace of god that we'll be having a very stimulating and learning session today. The events of the recent past have brought home to us our current realities, that to be able to effectively reach both our members and reach the world with the gospel, we need technology. If we had any doubts before the pandemic, the pandemic has taught us and shown to us that the way into the future is really for us to embrace technology. And it leaves us with no choice. With the pandemic, the four walls of our churches were shut down. And the only way we could reach our members was, was to begin to explore technology and to take advantage of the little that we know and have. Today, and as we go into the future, we want to begin to build on our knowledge and understanding of technology, and also see how we can leverage technology to more effectively reach our members, reach the public with the gospel, and take fuller advantage of the full gamut of technology that is available and is evolving. And the beauty of it is that in our district we are blessed with people who are vast in technology. And by God's grace we will continue to leverage this very key and rare resource that we have available to us. And we get them to continue to help us as we build capacity in this area. Today, we'll start in that series by looking at how we can leverage technology to drive church growth. And we have with us someone who is eminently qualified to give us A very in-depth exposition on this area. Our own dear brother, Adimola Adebyshe, some of us know him and perhaps um, some of us have never met him but um, we'll be meeting him today by God's grace. Our brother Adimola had his first degree in computer science From the University of Lagos, before he veered into management and accounting, became a chartered accountant, went into consulting, and then came into banking. Abra Adimola is currently the managing director of Wema Bank, and he has been at the heart of the digital transformation that that bank is. Undergoing currently, and he provides leadership for that initiative. I'm sure many of you would have heard of the Alat. Alat is um, the brand name for the Wema Bank digital platform, and it is indeed a great platform. When you go into it, um, you'll be amazed. And our brother Dimola last year in november completed his bachelor of theology so you see the 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 blend and 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 the rich mix that um, we have in him he completed his bachelor of theology and his dissertation was on this subject and that's why we approached him and um, requested that he should please come and um, help us out. And he has graciously agreed in spite of his uh, very busy schedule. So we are very, very delighted to have our brother Demola Adebishen share with us today. And I really want us to pay very close attention as he makes his presentation. And after that, we'd we'll have a period of about 30 minutes that um you can ask questions you can um also make comments and i'm sure he'll be too glad to respond to our questions i want us to put our hands together as i invite our brother Demola to please um, step forward
1: Good morning, um, brethren. I want to thank the senior pastor and the district overseer of, of the BGC district for this great privilege. I believe it's a great privilege because uh, we have, as you rightly said, I mean we have great brothers in the fold. Who are eminently more qualified to speak on this topic of um, technology, the use of technology for church growth? So I want to thank the uh, leadership for giving me this opportunity. I do not take it for granted. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Father, Lord, I ask oh lord for the unction You want to speak with your wisdom father i do not rely on my wisdom i rely on you father lord we pray lord god
2: that you also prepare
1: last year. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, a lot of things are happening these days. Uh, we'll <clears throat> the reliance on technology is increasing by the day, and uh, basically uh, what we'll be talking about today is around technology adoption in churches. Um, the outline is quite basic, and uh, it's going to be centered around the projects. Uh, of course, we're going to deal with uh, more real-life situation. We're going to deal with more use cases uh, where we can use technology to drive um, church growth. Uh, We'll be looking at the introduction to the study. Uh, It's also important to lay the context very well. There are schools of thought who think that technology is bad. Uh, Other schools of thought that technology is good. Uh, We're going to be looking at the biblical basis for the study. And then, of course, you look at the study itself, the outcome of the study, and the learning points um, from this study. And then we then use that to make recommendations to the church. As I said, uh, the uh, project was handled in 2020, uh, and uh, basically the topic was really around Christianity in the digital age, how to leverage modern technology uh, to facilitate discipleship and Christian worship. Uh, the BGC Church was used as the case study uh, and, uh, of course, the outcomes and uh, recommendations were made to the Church and also to the larger body of the Foursquare uh, and the uh, Life Theological Seminary. Life as we know has um, changed. Uh, we have a number of contemporary technologies that we have today uh, that are changing the way we work the way we communicate, the way we live our lives. Uh, And of course, by extension, uh, this is also a change in the way we fellowship in the body of Christ. Uh, All over the world, of course, you can see the prevalence, uh, the use of technology. Uh, Locally, uh, it's even... uh, uh, More important today, uh, the cost of technology is dropping uh, by the day. Uh, I remember 20 years ago, when you say you are accessing, you want to have access to internet, you must be uh, a big man, you know, uh, because you really was expensive. Uh, We had very few organizations then providing internet service, if you all remember. Hyperia, you know, in those days. You know, so um, we could see that things have dropped, we practically live our lives uh, on data today. So if you are in the telecoms industry, and that also explains why telecommunications is one of the sectors that is growing very uh, fast, uh, that is also uh, improving the GDP of of the country. The church is not left out. Um, We we see a lot of – I mean, during the pandemic, we're all locked down. Unfortunately, a number of churches will not operate uh, because of the social uh, uh, styles or social development and economic lifestyle of the people around there. Of course, there are some churches that were fully on technology. Uh, of course, there are so- churches are also, as we go on in this presentation, what I've also done is that I'm going to be making recommendations to three buckets of um, churches. Churches that are heavy adopters of technology, uh, churches that are medium uh, adopters, and of course, churches that do not have any link with technology or do not have any access. And these are probably going to be uh, our stations, uh, rural churches, and all that. So it's important that we identify the audience very well and um, uh, begin to uh, recommend uh, uh, to to the different uh, areas. Uh, we see today um, different technology. We talk about the Internet. Of course, everybody cannot work without uh, the Internet. Uh, mobile phones, what you see is our lifestyles are changing. Uh, everybody is moving towards the mobile, you know, to be able to do whatever they need to do. Pay, make payments, order for things, goods, uh, do all sorts, you know. Uh, so basically, the mobile is there. and That is where we all, uh, everybody is today. Um, social media, we all, I mean, we all talk about Facebook, YouTube and all that, WhatsApp. Uh, these are all medium for communication and um, uh, having access to information and all that. Uh, analytics is one thing that maybe a lot of people will probably not know. Um, analytics, today we talk about data. For example, the VGC church uh, founded in 2001. Since 2001, there have been tons of data that the church has put to, I mean, has in place. Now, these tons of data that we're sitting on, how do we utilize the data? Uh, when you sift through the data, there are patterns. Patterns that can tell you what will happen to this church in 10 years' time in terms of growth, uh, uh, patterns in terms of attendance, patterns in terms of given, you know, and all that. So we can actually see um, patterns in that. And analytics actually allows you to to do that. Uh, Today we talk about data is the new oil. You know, um, data is very, very important. That's why a lot of uh, fight is all over, you know, uh, use of data, access to data. Uh, Of course, closely related to analytics is um, artificial intelligence. How can we do things more intelligently based on the data that we have? You can actually train the computer. You can train the computer to do certain things um, where you're not there, you know. So the computers today are artificially intelligent. Uh, they may not be that emotional. Of course, there's a school of computing that is also now looking into in the area of robotics. Where we're now talking about emotional, the emotional side of computers, you know, so computers who can begin to have feelings and all that. So that is, is coming up. So uh, uh, lots of things happening and they're happening extremely fast that we need to be up and doing. We need to uh, be relevant and all that. Cloud cloud technology a lot of things we do for example in the church today we're streaming this service this service and um, it's being stored into the cloud the storage is not here in those days what you will have is you have large computers sitting upstairs in the media room uh you know we're storing all these computers uh, all these things are now in the cloud you know, so it's sitting somewhere, you know, that we don't even really know where the computers are, but it's being stored. Also, processing power has now been pushed into the cloud. So a number of all the things that we do are in the cloud. Uh, something a bit very technical, well, but it's what's reality today is augmented reality. I can be here today speaking, and I have an audience in Abuja. Listening to me, just like we're listening through Zoom, but they are actually feeling the impact as if I am with them. They can actually feel it. Augmented reality is actually combining the physical feelings together with, I mean, the physical uh, feelings together with the fact that uh, you are actually uh, uh, working remotely. So you can actually be in um, Los Angeles or anywhere in the world. And actually believing or thinking that I am actually in front of you, talking to you. But meanwhile, I'm actually talking from the VGC Church. Augmented reality is also something that is very useful also for our youth, for the youth in understanding the Bible. You can actually go through the Bible, some areas in the Bible, and you're actually visualizing what is happening. It's always very easy to, to, to explain things, you know, through... Uh, augmented reality. Uh, blockchain. Today, everybody, what, when we may mention blockchain, what people see is cryptocurrency, you know, and all that. Of course, there are issues around cryptocurrency. Uh, Nigeria today is not a legal tender, it is not. But of course, we also know that uh, abroad, this is um, uh, one area that has been um, used. Uh, cryptocurrency can uh, improve church giving. Uh, this is being used uh, uh, abroad. Of course, it's not uh, available in our ter- terrain here. Blockchain can also ensure transparency in uh, church activities in terms of uh, uh, record-keeping and all that. Uh, there's also the issue of Internet of Things. What we're saying when we say Internet of Things is that on the Internet, you can... For example, in this hall, our uh, doors... Uh, visual audio systems everything can be on the internet and we can control everything so um what this gives us is that allows us to have a smart church uh you can actually church service is starting at 10. This, the doors automatically open when it is 10. when church service is over uh, the doors automatically is closed for security reasons also for having access to the church as people are coming in you can actually count the number of people you do not need ushers going around you know you can actually count the number of people so a number of things that all these things can be useful an internet of things can throw up a lot of data that you can use to generate patterns or you can use to uh, create insights for decision making for the church leadership so basically these are some of the things that uh, uh, we use today uh, in terms of uh, what I've done here is just to look at some of the uses. For example, analytics, you can understand your audience, the congregation much better. Um, uh, it can inform in decision making uh, based on identified behavior and patterns. You, know, uh, uh, you can target aud- uh, communication to recipients. Today what we do is we just fire a, a message to the WhatsApp platform, uh, whether um, you are female or male, it uh, doesn't really matter, uh, everybody gets it, and then you begin to sift it, whether you need the information or not. What analytics can do is that you can target the information to specific people, the information going to, for example, uh, women will be different from uh, men, age groups will be different, and everything is based on the fact that uh, you are using the computer, you are using your analytics, your data. To determine what message people should get. So, you can actually, uh, so basically, if, I mean, for mature Christians, you know what information you can pass on. For those that are not as mature, if all this information is based on the data that you have stored of every member of the church. Um, uh, you can also provide uh, insights for greater efficiency. I talked about Internet of Things, being able to have things. Uh, so when you have data being generated about the you know, activities of a church, the uh, facilities management and all that, you can more efficiently manage these resources. You know when a gadget is going to be faulty; it's telling you, it's already giving you signs. All that can easily be. So it's it's massive, and that is why we say data is the new is the new oil. Um, I've talked about augmented reality. Uh, how you can use visualization to, for scripture reading uh, to create an immersive experience. You know, all, all these are things that we can do. Uh, you can enhance experience of remote uh, services. Uh, for blockchain, you can help to introduce more transparency uh, to giving and managing church finances. Uh, cryptocurrency, uh, though, I mean, not, uh, I'm not pushing for that here uh, because it's not a legal tender in Nigeria. Uh, uh, it enables us to eventually become, uh, because a lot of uh, giving abroad, especially when you are giving to the missions, the fields, um, can be done through um, crypto, uh, because you can be carrying cash all over the place. You know, so the last mile in the, in the missions field, uh, this can actually be used to uh, reach to reach them. Um, just like we use digital currencies, I mean, uh, Uh, use a digital platform today to to actually get to get to them. Um, What I've done also here is so that we bring it home properly. uh, This is a church that I uh, researched last year as well. Church at home. Basically, the. Is a a church in Seattle in the the US Um, just before the pandemic, they had created uh, a mobile app, the mobile app actually speaks to every aspect of the ministry, um, discipleship, giving, uh, counseling, prayer, speaks to every, basically everything. You can chat with uh, the pastor, counseling, one-on-one counseling can be done uh, with the pastor, uh, a prayer wall can be set up, you know, and all that, so you have a place where you can drop your prayer requests. Uh, when you're feeling down, you have a place where you can actually get online and chat with somebody, somebody's waiting for you. All the events of the church are properly uh, handled, and you can get messages. I get messages when it's time for prayer, I get messages when it's time for worship. You know, It tells you, oh, worship is in 10 minutes, you know, and all that. So it's an extremely uh, powerful platform uh, that has been used. And they actually also know the territory you come from. The the, the vision of the leadership of the church at home is basically to reach out to the entire world, you know, and that was why they did it. Now they never knew pandemic was coming, you know, and uh, it has really worked uh, very, very well. So every aspect of technology is being used. They have a very, um, they have, uh, they work with a third party that provides the technology platform for them and manages it for them on an outsourcing uh, basis. Um, so I've talked about the issue of pandemic, I mean, we can't over this. Uh, the pandemic changed dynamics completely last year. Um, the uh, CEO of uh, Microsoft uh, said uh, at, a, at one of uh, his um, speaking engagements that the world has witnessed two years of transformation in two months of lockdown. That was what he said and that is actually quite quite true um so a lot of things have changed we now talk about the new normal um and life will really never even with the vaccine uh, life will not never come back to be the same again because what has happened is that a number of um well, what you call operating models that is the way you operate has changed completely A number of businesses have moved online uh, a number of businesses have died because they could not adjust to the change, you know, and all that. So all these things have impacted the way we operate, which I refer to here as operating model. I use some words, maybe my consulting background, uh, you know, so I'll, but I'll try to explain myself as much as uh, as, as much as possible. Uh, so basically that's it. So the pandemic has further deepened the use of it. Now, having said all this, it's important that we put it in proper context, uh, in the sense that a number of people will believe that oh, technology is not, um, it's not good; it's bad. There's a bad side of it, and all that, you know. But of course, we all know that um, wisdom comes from God, and um, uh, the Lord has asked us, has redeemed us, basically for. For the good things, and um, technology really should be used for the good things. A number of um, uh, scriptures uh, speak to speak to these. Uh, of course, we know in Genesis 6 when God instructed uh, Noah to build a, the ark. Um, yes, research shows that uh, we don't have evidences of the dimensions of that in the Bible. But research shows that the hack was about 144 meters. 144 meters. That is half of the length of the Titanic that we all know today. The Titanic is about 269 meters in terms of length. Now, at that time, we need to cast our mind back. What could have, I mean, Noah was not, there was no account of Noah being maybe an architect or a civil engineer or whatever, you know, but the wisdom came from God. Again, we can see evidences in Genesis 11, uh, the account of the Tower of Babel, when they were trying to uh build the tower to you want to be like god of course i mean uh again research shows that the tower was about 200 2400 meters uh three times the height of the present burj khalifa in dubai so you can imagine what could have gone into it how you could have you know built uh something as as high as 2400 meters i mean at, at that time you know it's it can be uh, fathomed. Uh, of course, there are other Bible references here uh, uh, that we see in Exodus 31: 2-5, where we see uh, uh, where the Bible says, uh, "I have chosen by ba- Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, and the tri- of the tribe of Judah, filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs." This was when uh, uh, they were also trying to build uh, the hack for 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 God. Then you know, and you can see all the things that he talked about here. Uh, a number of us who probably have traveled far and wide. You've seen the seven uh, uh, there's a uh, seven signs of uh, uh, in India. There's a place you know, the artistic work and all that in those days, and these were thousands of years ago. Uh, all is only could have come from God, you know. The secret things belong unto, to Lord, the to Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us, to, unto our children and forever, that we may do all, all, all the words of, of this law. That was in Gen- uh, Deuteronomy 29.29. 29. And uh, in Second Chronicles, you see the evidences of uh, what today we call in the military, maybe ballistic missiles being created and all that. This was thousands of years ago, you know, when uh, 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 the king of uh, Judah, you know, uh, God gave him that, uh, the wisdom. When they were creating, you know, they said they created bulwarks, they shoot arrows and Mm -hmm. great stones. You can imagine in physics, we talk about mechanics, action and reaction, uh, 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 gravity and all that. These were things, wisdom that God gave them to do this in those days. Today we talk about ballistic missiles in the military and all that. So we can see. All these things come from God. So really it's not about um, uh, using using it positively. I think that's the key key word. Uh, uh, A a good man out of a good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil for the abundance of the heart. That uh, the the mouth speaketh. I can see this in Luke Luke six forty five. It's exhaustive. You can see that from all the from the Old Testament, the different books of the Old Testament, from the Pentateuch, the writings, uh, all through to the New uh, to the New uh, uh, Testament. So I haven't I haven't laid this foundation. I mean, it's important that we conclude that. Uh, while some may believe that this technology is bad and can easily be deployed to negative outcomes, the scriptures do not explicitly say the technology is bad. Uh, instead, they show that the heart of the man is where the issue is. So we need to uh, apply this positively. Um, having said this, we'll then go into an overview of the study. Uh, so based on that topic, what we did was we um, did uh, a research Using the Foursquare VGC as the uh, case study, uh, we sent out emails uh, using the social media, WhatsApp platforms to send out a survey, basically to look at the general beliefs about technology. Um, and the respondents, yeah, we had about 56. And then, of course, we did it for two groups the members of the church and the ministers. Uh, one thing that is clear is that, um, of course, if uh, going through academic studies, you probably say, is this a large audience enough to do a survey? Uh, at that time, I mean, that was, it was also a very good uh, time because it was actually during the pandemic. So uh, I guess a number of people also had some time to, to fill this. But of course, uh, in a real situation, probably have to deepen this by expanding the respondents. We had about 59 males, and 41% were, 59% male, 41% female, uh, in terms of respondents. Uh, we also looked at the age range, uh, also for the ministers. And of course, the we, questions were asked along the areas of discipline, giving, attendance, pastoral care, and all that. So, uh, what were the findings of this study? Uh, very clear. Um, All the respondents were actively using emails, social media, uh, of course, the usual, the WhatsApp, the YouTube, Facebook, and um, Instagram. Um, Over 90% agree that technology is a good tool that can aid spiritual growth. Uh, 90% believe that technology is a good tool for information and communication. Uh, They also agree that 84% agree that technology enables and supports church attendance. 79% believe that it aids more personal aspects such as fellowship, discipleship and worship. 60% agree that technology supports and facilitates giving. 79% believes that the church has made adequate investments in technology to serve its members. That's for members, now for ministers, of course, we see similar feedback. Uh, all the respondents use uh, social media. They use email and all that to access information. 100% agree that uh, technology is good uh, for spiritual growth. 100% agree that technology is a good tool for information and communication. 17% agree that technology negatively impacts church attendance. 100% believe that it hates understanding of members. Uh, 100% agree that technology supports and facilitates giving. 50% believe the church needs to do more investments in technology. Um, when we are looking at data, it's important to also be able to pull out. If we go back to the last one, 79% believe that the church has made adequate investments as, well as members. Uh, but the leadership believes that 50%, uh, I mean, uh, 50% believe that uh, a lot more investment still needs to be done. So which, of course, uh, the leadership knows where the shoe pinches. So probably have an idea of, you know, but of course, you have a mixed multitude uh, of people, but leadership is more focused and uh, gets more informed. And that is why in leadership, uh, when we ask questions, There are certain things we really don't know. uh, We need to just uh, allow leadership to, because uh, they have more information that we don't don't have. Now, what we also did was we looked at the maturity profile of the church. And um, basically, what we did here was to look at the uh, different use cases. Now, when I mean use cases for information dissemination, for communication, for engagement, for sermons, for discipleship, for prayer, for counseling, for worship service, for giving, and for music. Uh, we looked at all these use cases. And then we looked at the different technologies that uh, are available um, live streaming, podcasts, social media, mobile app, uh, web, data analytics, cloud. And what we, what we did was basically we tried to, on a rating scale of um, zero to five, where five is uh, extensive use of technology for that uh, use case. And there uh, where zero, sorry, where zero is um, uh, no use for the technology or uh, there's no basis. For example, if we pick something like um, counseling, I mean, there's no way you can use live streaming for counseling, so there's really no basis for for that. Uh, same also for social uh, media platforms and all that. So those are the kind of things that we looked at. Now, if we're making looking at this data that we have here, you can see that um, we still have a lot to do in the area of um, uh, maybe using mobile apps to to further uh, deepen uh, spiritual growth. Uh, as you can see there, there is um, very limited uh, use for their plans for the future uh, in terms of uh, use for mobile app. Uh, I do know that some work is being done on that right now. Uh, so, so these are the kind of things that um, came out from this um, study. Uh, so in summary, what we'll see is uh, that technology already plays an important role in the lives of the leaders and members of the church email addresses, and several social platforms are already quite popular. Uh, uh, also, we see that um, respondents are that these various tools have impacted their spiritual development, especially in the areas of information, communication, and engagement. It means that there is an opportunity for the church to use technology much more actively. With the right spiritual guidance, these modern tools can be deployed to spiritual ends. Uh, the third thing here coming out is that the church currently utilizes various technology solutions to enable worship. Uh, there's room for growth to do more with technology beyond uh, basic uses. Uh, the more immersed members become in their usage and adoption of these technologies, the greater the responsibility of the church to match it. Therefore, it must be a greater effort to understand and articulate the best approach. Uh, to this. So these are the um, findings from the study. Uh, having done that, it's now important. Let us now apply this um, uh, to make recommendations for the church. And um, one of the things we've done here is uh, to understand that one size does not fit all. There are churches in the rural areas, the house stations, there are churches in the semi urban centers, and there are churches in the urban centers the use of technology will differ. Um, so what I've done is basically uh, three zones in the, in the districts. Uh, these three zones have 11 churches. Uh, the churches are at various stages. I do know that during the pandemic, some of the churches will have been shut down completely. There will be no way. Uh, rather just the pastor struggling with his uh, data to call members during that period to keep them you know, uh, engaged. Uh, we also do know that there are some other churches like the vgc that were permanently on you know in fact we recorded more attendance uh, uh, giving was even not giving did not did not diminish you know and all that so you could see uh, so it's, it's difficult to make recommendations just uh, one size fits all it's important so what i did here was basically to look at the socio-economic development of the location in the location of the church. And then the general well-being of the community, the educational level of course, is also important. In the rural area, you probably not have access to those skills to be able to do all these uh, things that uh, our media team are doing. So basically, we have three broad categories that we've come up with here. And um, digital are those that I will say are the rural, uh, the house station churches. Uh, what are the characteristics? You begin to see these are low technology infrastructure penetration, uh, the penetration and adoption. You know, possibly in the, they are possibly in the rural areas, the outstations. They have no funding uh, available for technology investments. Uh, you know, lack of skilled manpower also to drive the technology initiatives. Uh, the second group, what, what I will call here, the digital curious or the medium adopters, you know. Uh basically what are the characteristics here? Medium technology infrastructure. Uh they're in the semi urban areas of cities, but not necessarily city centers. Uh they have limited funding, uh different from the first group that have no funding, <laughs> you know. Uh and then limited availability of skilled manpower to drive the technology initiatives. The, the third group, uh, which is the digital native, um, that's the high technology infrastructure. Uh, uh, they, they're in the urban uh, city centers. They have considerable funding available. And then there's also availability of skilled manpower. So you can imagine the firepower of uh, the VGC church in terms of technology uh, uh, brothers, you know, so really it's, um, so these are the three uh, buckets that uh, I try to categorize this into. And then for each of them, we now try to make recommendations. Now, um, for the digital novice churches or the low adopters as i call it today uh the uh, we make recommendations along people process technology um uh, having a consulting background of course we always break everything in life down to people process technology <laughs> you know so uh, for people it's important uh the fundamental basis is to continue t- to provide some biblical teaching and training to people through whatever means available. Uh, we need to take advantage of opportunities to educate and upskill ministers and members on the role and importance of technology. Uh, this is one of the things that we're doing today. Um, the youth are generally more adventurous and receptive to new and emerging technologies. We need to give them more responsibility uh, and involvement to drive the digital multimedia uh, in the ministry, uh, in terms of processes, uh, of course, there are no processes. Um, uh, probably, want to start with simple use cases like um, uh, information and communication, such as sharing information uh, via some broadcast messages, uh, as people become more comfortable with uh, digital uh, channels. You can look out for additional opportunities, uh, recording short videos and sending, um, sharing their chats uh, like WhatsApp and um, Telegram. Um, one, of, one of the things I would like to say, uh, when GSM came into the country, a number of people felt, oh, because of the poor nature of uh, the citizens. Uh, the you know, the income levels and all that, that uh, would we'll not adopt, but it caught fire, you know, even though some may not have smartphones, uh, but some have feature phones. Uh, so there's still something that can be done, even with the, the little uh, that, we, that we may have. Uh, we should seek out opportunities to understudy more technologically advanced churches within the, uh, within the district and the zone. Uh, what we normally say is, oh, look up to your mother church to support you uh, when it comes to uh, technology adoption. Uh, in terms of technology, again, you say sm- start small. There's no fund, so really there's nothing you can really do. So, uh, but uh, in the midst of that, you still have to do something. Uh, leverage simple tools that already have some level of penetration, such as WhatsApp, um, Facebook, Uh, There are currently limited options for people using feature phones uh, beyond things like maybe bulk SMS, sending bulk SMSs out. Of course, that also requires funding, you know. Uh, Leverage free resources. There are free resources on the Internet uh, that one can uh, leverage uh, to test for reception and adoption. Now, you don't throw money at technology just because you want to make technology investments. You need to ensure that um, you test it before you scale, um, so we don't uh, make wrong investment decisions. Um, leverage resources from other churches. I said that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, use tools and templates from other churches, like the, you know, in the Zoom or the, the district, such as the, uh, the Mother Church. For the digitally curious churches or the medium adopters, now we go a step further. Uh, the fundamental basis continues that uh, you provide sound biblical teaching. Uh, you know, uh, take advantage of opportunities to educate and upskill ministers. Um, set up in this situation, you can actually set up a department. In the first Uh, instance, of course, there's no, there's nothing to even set up because you're just um, uh, starting. But here you set up a department or unit that will focus really on uh, driving technology usage within the church. Um, A lot of all the youths as well could be the starting point. Start with simple use cases like information and communication under processes um, using the social media handles You can set up social media handles. Um, pages for, uh, for use, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, these are, you know, very common uh, platforms. As people become more comfortable using digital channels, then you look out for additional opportunities, such as setting up YouTube channels uh, to share or stream content. Uh, you can seek out opportunities to understand more technologically advanced churches and adopt their processes Um, That's what we say it's always important. Leverage uh, other churches. Uh, As I said, one size cannot fit all. Again, for technology, simple tools that already have some level of penetration uh, can be used. Uh, We can leverage also free resources online and test for reception uh, before adoption. For example, things like Zoom, Google, Meet, and all that are platforms that can be used uh, for... Uh, you know, for, for this purpose. Uh, where investment is to be made, look out for pay-as-you-use uh, license arrangements to enable you minimize the costs of, uh, of usage. And for the digitally savvy churches, uh, here it's a bit deep. Um, you now begin to go a bit deeper in terms of uh, what activities need to be done. You need to actually start considering hiring subject matter experts and professionals in the domain in both advisory and execution capacity. Um, Having paid staff will ensure high quality outputs. Yes, we all want to serve God, but again, one is to also speak to the livelihood of uh, people to ensure that they are properly uh, well engaged. Uh, Critical roles such as social media managers, Uh, designers, we need to have a proper structure for the digital uh, multimedia ministry. Uh, So you can even get to having things like uh, designers, um, data analysts, uh, content managers and developers, and depending on the level of sophistication, you can actually have software engineers, you know, that will um, assist. Of course, you may also consider outsourcing. Uh, to a company that can support support uh, the, uh, the technological uh, use, uh, adoption. Uh, you can augment this with, uh, as I said, paid resources and volunteer staff to ensure that there is knowledge transfer. Uh, when, you, when you lose, one thing in technology today is that you lose people virtually every day. Um, it's one war for talent because the skills are not readily available and uh, the good ones are very expensive so what you see is uh, people jump ship very easily so what you do is have a mix of paid and volunteer staff where you can transfer transfer uh, knowledge train people constantly of course training is important uh, as um, technology is rapidly evolving so things change very very quickly in terms of processes, this, this is the time to sit down and have a disciplined documentation for processes in the digital multimedia industry I mean ministry you must have clear processes for certain activities uh, when services are to start what are the things that you platforms are you using? how are you using it? who is using it at what time? all these things must be properly documented so that if uh for one reason or the other people are not available you have a document that you can actually uh, rely on focus on standardization of processes in such a way that you can be reused some of these processes can now even be used by the uh, daughter churches you know uh, over time you know so it's just a matter of ensure there's no point reinventing the wheel you know Uh, we'll create templates and artifacts that can easily be transferred and adopted Consider building spare capacity, if possible, uh, to support smaller and less advanced churches uh, within the zone and the districts. Uh, developing a shared service model. Now, what we mean by shared service is uh, you're building an infrastructure that many people can use at the same time. Uh, that's what we mean by shared services uh, uh, on the hub and sp- spoke arrangements. Uh, So that is what we're talking about. Now, uh, talking about technology, um, there is uh, adequate funding or enough funding so you can consider bulk license purchases to be able to support surrounding churches, uh, conduct regular user engagement, you know, uh, and research so that you are not deploying technology for the sake of deploying it, uh, but in a meaningful and impactful manner. Uh, for core infrastructure, I think it's important to... Hello, am I lost? Looks... Oh, okay. Uh, for core infrastructure, it's important to leverage flexible models such as cloud that allow you to pay based on usage and not incur huge upfront costs. So, really, these are the... Uh, these are the... These are the uh, recommendations for a digitally savvy church. It's a bit deep, but uh, one can begin to break it down. But of course, we cannot do that uh, here. Uh, it looks like I've lost, lost my screen. Okay. Maybe I should share back. OK, OK, I think I was um, cut off at some points. Let me just um, try to share back. OK. I believe it's okay now okay good so so as i was say we're on uh, the digitally savvy um, church so the recommendations and uh, all that i talked about uh, the use of the uh, bulk licenses that can also be shared with surrounding churches uh, infrastructure i've said we should um, uh, deploy gradually, there's a the use of a cloud where you don't need to pay heavily for infrastructure today, so basically you can manage your cost over time. So these are the recommendations basically for the digitally savvy churches or the eye adopters, so to say. Now, it's also important as we look at the bigger organization, the larger organization, uh, the Life Theological Seminary in particular now, um, Uh, It's important to revise the curriculum to include contents that equip ministers to understand and harness the positive potential of technology uh, in their everyday work, uh, such as emerging technologies, user research and engagement, um, use cases for technology deployment. All these things are things that needs to be built into the um, curriculum uh, of the uh, the seminary. Uh, We need to embrace technologies in the design and delivery of various learning programs to boost adoption. I think for the first time, uh, the Life Seminary uh, used uh, the online platform to deliver uh, lectures and was quite successful. Uh, Of course, there's a lot more that needs to still be done, you know, uh, in terms of delivery, in terms of uh, uh, managing these platforms, you know, for effective uh, use. Uh, also consider including practitioners and subject matter experts as part of the faculty or advisory board to shape discussions around technology content and um, implementation. So these are the recommendations that um, we have. Uh, we've talked about the different use cases. Uh, we mentioned the particular case in Seattle where everything is done on the mobile app. Uh, we've tried to identify... Uh, all the different uh, buckets of uh, churches that we have and try to make recommendations uh, towards, uh, towards them in the use of technology. Um, I think at this point, um, I've got come to the end of this uh, presentation and I just want to thank uh, the leadership for this opportunity. Thank you very much.
3: very much to our dear brother, Demola Adebyshi. I think that was very insightful, very deep, um, great learning, even for um, those who are used to the subject, and I'm sure even for those that are not very used to the subject. He's made it very simple, sound very simplistic, like we can all become digital natives overnight. Thank you very much, Brother Dimola. Um, we do sincerely appreciate you. So we're going to go into a time of questions and answers very quickly. We will be taking questions from onsite and also online. So in case you have any questions or clarifications for Brother Dimola, please can we see by a show of hand? I don't know how I'm going to see the ones online. Would it be flashed? Green? Okay. Okay, so a number of just saying thank you to the demo please, if you have questions, comments, or um, please can you post them in the chat bar on I can't see any hand raised in the Auditorial. Oh, thank you very much. So we have a question from Reverend Ali. Thank you. Thank you very much,
4: sir. Thank you very much, sir. I well delivered. Well, before I say that, I think it's um, without missing words. This is likely to be one of the greatest lectures in terms of church growth. And I I really want to thank uh, the district overseer and the leadership for allowing us here this lecture. I have one clarification, a simple one, which is that in the data you provided, sir, you said 17% believe it negatively impacts church attendance. Uh, I don't know whether you can clarify. Is it physical attendance? Does it exclude? I mean, if, for example, I'm connecting one year, always connecting online, not appearing in the church, is that what you mean? Or it totally disconnects me. I'm not coming to church. Is that what it means? Sir? Then number two, I don't know. Uh, this is something, especially for the rural areas, and not so savvy churches this is an area because we seem to now likely to agree that it can drive church growth do you have any answer of delivering this to the church leadership I'm not just talking of districts because it is important that our leaders hear this understand it and hopefully Drive it because you get to some areas where, please, let's revert to what we're doing before. There is always that tendency. So, do you have any plans like that? Because honestly, I'm in total support that we should drive it. It's one major area that truly can impact church growth. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Reverend Ali. We'll
3: take one more question from Clip, who is online take another question from on-site and then we'll give Brother Demola the opportunity to respond to those questions. Brother Philip Adegoe, please go ahead with your questions, you can unmute. Thank you, sir.
5: Thank you very much, uh, Brother Demola. Uh, uh, And I think the tips uh, are pretty much uh, relevant and they are very apt. and um, going by the three broad categories uh, that you put various churches, the digitally novice, the digitally curious, and uh, uh, the digitally uh, native churches, and I believe VGC church fall under that category. And uh, the third category, my question really is around, uh, now, we are digitally savvy, and we find ourselves in the uh, in a, uh, in an area that is well developed and um, um, our contemporaries are also well developed digitally um, um, so what I'm trying to get at is how do we really balance when it comes to um, the cost implication of you know maintaining and sustaining uh, the infrastructure that is needed to remain digitally relevant, you know, in our uh, area. How do you balance that with, um, uh, you know, sometimes it's difficult for you to justify some of these um, capital spend um, when you are expected to actually relate it with um, church growth, numerical increase, or... Uh, uh, so. Again, the the question is, is there a balance that one can actually you know, um, drive towards in managing how much we spend on putting um digital infrastructure, multimedia multimedia infrastructure in place? And at the same time um, you want to ensure that yeah, this is the right one to drive um the right people, the the good number. Uh, and all that, you know, growth in the church. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Brother Philip. Your question is noted. I think it's Sister Jimoke that I can see up there. Really? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Sister Jimoke, you have (laughs) a floor.
6: Thank you. Um, Beautiful uh, presentation. But I just want to add in this okay For us that um, deal with a lot of... uh, Market men and women um, that you might think that digital marketing really advanced. I have suppliers in my 12 that uses WhatsApp. They will snap their product to us and they use the voice notes so that to minimize their credits, they will record what they have to say. I know of a church that. During the pandemic, they were using the WhatsApp voice notes. They put all the church members on the group. The pastor will use the voice recording. He will record his message. And they gave um, 500 Naira opportunity for every. Because once you have it, you just buy the airtime on your network and you can be on. So you don't really need to be. Um, I don't know how to say it. So there are ways that you can penetrate the people in the work sector. So we should not um, really get them that they are not savvy or whatever. They are eager. In my 12 in Lagos market, a lot of people are selling their products. They, will, they, will, they can reach you and churches can leverage on that. So my question now really, from your presentation, you said 90% um, during your surveys talk about email, email use. I think it would be good for our church because we don't really, uh, really, um, how would I say, taking a maximum use of email. I know that we can use more of our email platform. To send messages send you newsletters, um, do one thing or the other on our email apart from our social media because sometimes i want to listen to message or what i don't want to go to social media because i am distracted i am going one way as i open something will jump at me and for me that i don't i'm worried but i know to, okay, now it's time for this. I log on on that. But there are 10, that's for you to be distracted. Why are you on the journey to so do that? Thank you.
3: Thank you very much. I think that was a great um, perspective. Um, so we'll allow Brother Demola to just take those four
1: questions. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, the first question from Reverend Aliu. Uh, talking about 17% attendance and uh, a bit more clarity or some deep dive into uh, that. Uh, Basically, it was a survey and uh, the questions were around um, church attendance. And uh, the person was actually, I mean, the group, the 17%, actually giving their own views about, uh, and I want to believe that um, the, the the background where they're coming from, they're looking at the physical church. That's where they're coming from. Because during the pandemic, um, uh, data will show uh, that we had more attendance online. In fact, it was an opportunity to actually bring in more people. Because I remember a number, some of my customers, my parents, and all that were joining the VGC church during uh, the pandemic, which uh, was was uh, quite difficult the only thing was whenever they came to visit you that was when you could bring them to church you know but they were all joining online and then, of course they were all using also inviting people to join so and also at that time we had quite a number of people from diaspora also joining very very seamlessly uh, what we have today is that in our, our house fellowship we have uh, people joining us from the us from canada you know, on the house fellowship, so attendance has actually increased. But I think the perspective of the 17% uh, that we have here um, is actually from the point of view of the physical the physical church. Now, um, plans for church leaders. What the I mean, I want to thank the church leadership for giving me this opportunity. Um, and of course, uh, from time to time, I, I will make myself available if given the opportunity to speak at uh, even larger. Uh, uh, audience, you know, uh, on this uh, matter, uh, so there's no uh, problem with that. Um, Brother Philip, cost implication of maintaining the digitally savvy church. Um, I said in the presentation that there are, first of all, yes, it's a balancing act, uh, but you also do not jump into. Um, one is the fact that costs of a number of these technologies are coming down. Um, yes, you need to invest in them. Uh, but you're also doing jump into them uh, just for the point of making investments. As I said, you actually do. You can do pilots. You can do test runs to see whether or not this will impact. And then take statistics after the test run uh, to confirm whether or not you should go deeper into that investment. Um, and then also in terms of how do you really maintain your... Uh, operating expense uh, in, in form of licensing, in form of what you, what we see today is that investments, uh, processing capacity is being taken to the cloud. So you can, the number of all the things that we're doing today, all the storage that the digital media is storing onto, they're all in the cloud. If it was on ground, we're going to be paying huge amount of money to acquire storage capacity and all that. And uh, it's, it's, it's really a large infrastructure. And then also when you are fully online, you need to have very robust and redundant um, capacity. So it's not about just investing here. What you see is that we'll invest in physical, heavy equipment here. We'll also have one in the backup sites. To ensure that we don't have downtime. Because you can come in on a Sunday, something drops, uh, happens to the main site. You need to be able to fall back onto a backup site. So those investments are huge investments. And um, <clears throat> you can manage it by one, ensuring that you test the technology before you deploy, two, you ensure that you move onto the clouds you know, where, for example, here, we're going to be maintaining these, those equipments have to be under very heavy cold. I mean, they have to be very, you need to keep the processors cold. So they must be, in, so the ACs have to be on. Uh, what do you call it? The uh, the generator must be on, On you know, uh, you are on the PACN, that's the cost. You need to maintain uh, those equipments, that's another cost. You need to keep people to maintain the equipment. That's another cost. So all these costs, by the time you build them up, they are very massive. So what you then do is once you just put it on the cloud, you are just paying for the service. Now, the other bit also is about obsolescence. Um, you, you probably say, okay, I've made these huge investments. And technology, to say today, maybe three, four years down the line, they talk about uh, the useful life. That uh, they are not supporting it, um, what you then do is you have, you have to make another investment in four years, very huge investments. So you are constantly making those investments. But when you're in the cloud, it doesn't really matter. Zoom is not working today. you switch over to Google Maps or any other platform you know so really that is the, that is the way to uh, to to maintain it and um, the last speaker, Sita Jimoke, uh, rural, I think, thank you for the use case. You also introduced the use case. Uh, and that, again, was, that buttresses my earlier points uh, when I said GSM, when it came into the country. There were lots of agitation that uh, we cannot afford it. They're going to shut down. Nobody will be able to buy fifteen naira uh, per, per second or per minute at that time. That was in 2001 when the GSM started. You know, but lo and behold, well, it became a real really picked up, you know, and everybody, and everybody was, uh, so, and as I said, when you look at the rural or the digital, the low digital uh, adopters, what you can do is, I mean, as Gerardi said, I mean, voice, prepare the sermon uh, using a voicemail and send it to a platform. Everybody's on the platform. So everybody's kept engaged. So it's not uh, an issue of all. The only thing now is that, okay, yes, they need to buy data. Now, if you look at the costs of going to the church and coming back home, you'll spend um, $500, 1000 or so. So if you buy that data, you can actually use that to do two or three, listen to two or three sermons. So effectively, you're still managing the costs. So you may actually be able to manage uh, the cost. So really, it's... Uh, and today, we are not talking about, in those days, you need to use satellite technology to be able to access those in the rural, far-reaching area where technology cannot get to. But today, yeah, we have, uh, it's quite pervasive. It's virtually everywhere, you know, um, so you can actually except you are in the missions built outside the country. Or even in the missions field outside the country, once you are able to have access to the internet, that's the beauty about it, over there, you can connect to your mother church. I hope I've um, answered. Uh,
3: Thank question. you very much, Brother Dimola. I think you answered all the questions, and very well, so. I think we have another question in the auditorium. Pastor yeah,
2: Pastor. Thank you, Brother Dimola, for the uh, excellent presentation. Uh, it's more of a question on, on my thoughts. Uh, for instance, we during the pandemic, we... Realized that there was a growth in the attendance of PGC Church, and we have people connecting to us from different parts of the world. Now, but if we flip that to the generality of the church, we equally have some churches that closed down during that period because they couldn't do anything. Now, I'm thinking that as a church, uh, is it not possible to have like uh, a program? whereby we put structures in place, uh, even from the national church, uh, because these days, the new general overseer now make brokers have services on Facebook on a weekly basis, which was not available in first for before now. So that is using one social media platform to be able to reach uh, probably millions of people at a time. Now, if we now have a church uh, policy, setting up a church policy, whereby we categorize the church based on the locations and what they can do as far as technology is. And as we are setting up that church or the one that is existing, we uh, put on that church the technology that is fit for that church. And we have a policy around it. If you're setting up a church or you're a church in a particular place, whether it's given at the district or whether it's given at the national, it doesn't matter, such that those shared services can be available. There's no need for, uh, if VTC has, for instance, let me use Zoom, for instance. Zoom has a facility for license that uh, you have how many users, depending on what you pay for. So, can a church like VTC have a license that can accommodate maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten users at a time? And then the, the daughter churches within that district <laughs> excuse me, will be able to use that license either to stream their own services or to do one thing with them. What I'm looking at you, if at the national we can have such a policy, and I think it would be very useful along that line, useful in the sense that you have done a research in this area. At the national, this is a that should be adopted, and then we look at rather than what a lot of pastors are fighting, it's fighting technology. They want to bring the people back into the church, they want to bring everybody back into the church. Yes, it's good, but they're not addressing the area where, how. They can improve on what is on ground. People will not have come to visit Church if there is no preparation before the pandemic. There have been preparation, there have been training, there have been, how do you present your program? We are, uh, our audience, worshipers, are not just people that are here. We are conscious of that in timing and everything. I think a whole lot of these should go together and I'm hoping that at the national level, we can have a policy around this so that every church within uh, the organization will be able to use one form of technology or the other and can improve their delivery of services uh, to the people. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much, Pastor Lowo. I'm sure Brother Demola would um, amplify those wonderful suggestions. Please, can the media unmute uh, brother online, Brother Michael Ongu, who is here. He has a question and comment. You have the floor, Brother Michael. Yep. Good morning,
7: Shah. And mm-hmm. uh, thank you once again for coming in. I'm Michael Onguze from Abu Lebarapo Church. Um, basically, what I want to say is to leverage a little bit on um, the earlier asked question. Um, Shah, in your organization, which is Wema Bank, you were able to leverage a uh, backup by waves to resolve the payment system. And um, in the course of uh, my findings, I discovered that you have an understanding with evasion in which um, one could also do um, foreign currency. Now, I'm not talking about business here. I'm talking about evangelism here. Now, that technology I discovered is that um, when my bank was able to take Its transaction out of its office and they took it out to the world, leveraging on cloud technology. But I'm not sure if it was was Wema Bank that took all the responsibility of the cloud technology. I think it was EverSend that did it because EverSend actually had an account. So, what am I saying? Is it possible, sir, that um, the strategy, this same strategy, can be adopted in the Foursquare Church, Nigeria, in such a way that we have? Um, an understanding with a cloud technology organization, just like Wema Bank had with ever And um, they can build on that platform and enjoy serious discounted rates on whichever platform we now want to ride on, because the cloud is there, the infrastructure is there, everything is there. If you want to go Zoom, mixer, whatever, anyone you want to do at an understandable discounted rate so that we cannot, we won't only looking at um, the district we won't only be looking at the zone we won't only be looking at the churches we can even look to the rural like the Hausa church that we have in um just um, uh, zone uh, basically i just a torture uh, i just um if you can shed more light into this okay
3: thank you very much um brother michael i can see any other hands up online and uh not also on site. So, Brother all over to you, sir. Okay. 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 Thank you very much, sir. Um, Brother Demola. just before you go on, we're going to call Reverend Philip. Um, he's our Zonal Superintendent over Jesu Tedo zone, and he's going to speak on uh, perspective on how the zone has been able to leverage technology, the challenges that the zone has faced, and what is the outlook, and maybe also give some insight and ask some questions. Thank you very much, sir. Over to you, sir. You can come off so that the camera can take you. Thank you very much, sir. First we you. you can take this.
5: Thank
8: you very much for uh, thank you very much for
0: the great uh, presentation.
8: Uh, Thank you very much for a great presentation. Um, One thing that caught through my mind as it was all going on was the fact that even city churches may be considered to be partially rural within the context of what uh, you were saying. Um... Because in the city churches, we have many members or many congregants who don't have Android devices. So by the time we're talking about the use of uh, uh, technology, the phones that are not Android are the things that some people can afford. If we're not going to ask, they If we're not going to require that churches procure devices for members, um, then of course there has to be a way by which communication uh, goes through to them. There has to be a way by which they're in church, uh, even at home. And that was a challenge that COVID posed to us. So we found that we started struggling initially with um, using WhatsApp. First, chat, then the voice thing. And then we found out that people were still not being read because they didn't have phones that could pick this thing. So we were now pushed on to a level in which we looked at those ones who you know, you may call the rural city, the rural in the city, and all they could afford is just the phone, you know, uh, what would we call it, you know, the, yeah. So, so they, they, they had the phones, and even some could not afford to sustain long calls. So the way out for us was then to look for a way of reaching them consistently and all, uh, you know, all the time. And what we found we had to start doing then was teleconferencing. You know, so whoever is going to communicate with them uh, for their church had to be the one funding the whole thing. So, you know, you, you do it at not too expensive rate and you succeed in reaching those people. The only challenge we have, because we were so concerned about having an interactive church in spite of the lockdown, we wouldn't want to go on YouTube because the people on YouTube, they're there. They see what we're doing. You know, they may sing on their own. We don't hear their voices. Neither neither are they interacting with us. Um, So that's like a one-way communication. So we felt that for every service, every form of service, Sunday school, anything we had, there had to be back-and-forth communication. And that's what pushed us into going into that. But then that had with it some stresses. And perhaps that's where I'm going to say, you know, we we would want a a solution. Um, The stress was... You had to be at different times on WhatsApp, on uh, the ordinary phones for teleconferencing, and then on Zoom. Uh, Just because you felt that, you know, you don't feel the people, right? Uh, Even if they feel you a bit, you know, so once you're not talking to them and they you know, getting responses from them, or they—they are talking to you and getting responses. They don't really feel they're in church. In fact, we found out that when we were doing the WhatsApp initially, some just dropped off. So the only way we could now increase participation was when we had this one that you know we could talk to those who, you know, uh, had no means of being on WhatsApp and all that. Then those on WhatsApp, we had to combine both voice and chat at the same time. But that meant we were conducting shift services, if you like to call it so. We would first of all run through the Zoom service. Zoom service is generally those who could afford it. Although in later times we now started, you know, giving some, you know, we are providing data for those who couldn't afford but we also feel that it's part of responsibility, if you want to worship the Lord, to put in something. And like you said, and very correctly, uh, what, you, what you lose, uh, I mean what you spend in coming to church uh, by bus, or CADA, or whatsoever, could be what you would spend on data. So in which case, there should be a balance. But it may not be an exact balance. Because for some of those in the church community, they just walk across to the church. So for those ones, they were never spending anything. And perhaps even when they come to church, they didn't drop the cover, you know. So for those kind of people, you know, you want to find a way of reaching them by all means. And without increasing the stress of all those who will be ministering, in the services. So it would be good if there was something you could just do that just linked everybody in one service and then still it's very interactive. But we've enjoyed Zooming uh, and we've also been able to increase participation by you know providing data for some for some who say they can't afford. But we don't think it's the way to go to continue, uh, you know, keep providing, uh, you know, funding their choice of going to church or not. They should be able to, you know, I mean, you put in something if you really want to worship God. But there could be some approach that would enable people uh, uh, enjoy being in church and, uh, you know, so, so the issue is, you could have digitally survey members, and those that are not digitally surveyed, uh, all of them could be rich in some of these ways, but then the issue becomes you have some economically capable, and those who are not so capable, <laughs> and you want to reach them uh, with in a, an interactive uh, service, you know, and possibly not put stresses on everybody, and also additional costs for those who, uh, because we don't have everybody who is going to minister come to church all the time. Some minister from church, and others minister from Zoom. So, but we make sure that everybody is talking to one another, and even when service is over, they can all say hi, hello, You know, we leave it open. It's just a little bit of discipline for members not to interrupt services, you know, by making noise when the program is on. So we've enjoyed that interaction, you know, that takes place, and we don't want to lose it. Uh, We've decided let's go Zoom more, and that's why we're funding uh, those who come on Zoom. But you see, those who just don't have the phones, you know, who have phones that are not Android and still need to be reached, there has to be a way of making sure everybody could come and possibly on one service. And I think that's where we are, looking for that. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much, Reverend Philip. I think um, that is those are use cases. <laughs> to use the words of the of the technology people. Thank you very much, sir. I'm sure Brother Dimola will respond to that. But just before he responds, we'll take one more question, which is coming from online, and that's from Sister Odera Okonkwo. Um, please, could you unmute Sister Odera? I would like her to speak. Out her question. Thank you. And then Brother Demola will take all those questions, comments, advice on next steps. My own question is going to be, Sir. So while Sister Dera is being unmuted, I would like you to begin to prepare. And we all say it: strategy is beautiful, implementation is critical. So we would like you to speak on how you can provide guidance to the church on implementation of. Some of this laudable initiative, Sister. There, are you? Are you open? Okay, over to you. Thank you.
6: Good morning, my. Good morning, Sir, everyone. Thank you very much for the awesome presentation. So, my question, which I really type, is just um, so for churches. Sometimes it's not a clear-cut uh, audience, so sometimes you have a mix, a mix. So, for instance, i used to use Church. You have a mix of people who could do Zoom, but you have a mix of people who couldn't even do Zoom. So for us, it's a mix of digitally savvy and um, digital novice as well. You know? So it's how, do we do, how do you handle and achieve that balance for churches? Philip has mentioned a bit of it also in the church. So you're a church with your um, – you are digitally savvy, but you're largely surrounded by people who are not. So if a pastor is going to pastor that audience, how do you maintain the balance to make sure that you're carrying everybody along and nobody falls through the cracks?
1: Thank you. Good. Good. Thank you very much, uh, Sister Odera. Uh, I would um, want to start by thanking Reverend Peters. I'm uh, oh, sorry, Reverend Phillips, um, for that great uh, intervention. Uh, what I've been doing here is struggling with um, concepts. What he has done is actually to bring it to life. How practical is all these um, slides or these uh, uh, consulting speak, so to say, that I've, uh, I've been uh, doing. Very, very practical. And honestly, I will tie the intervention to Reverend, uh, I'm sorry, with Sister Moladeh's uh, question on implementation. Uh, of course, that also has a link with uh, what uh, Brother Lu also talked about processes. How do we begin to operationalize this? Um, And a very, very good uh, input will come from churches, the experiences, practical experiences of churches uh, that have gone through this. I can see when he was talking, the struggle. And it's, it's not as simple as he has put it. Honestly, you know, you can imagine what could have happened. You know, you want to keep your audience together, the congregation together, and uh, you have a uh, mixed multitude of um, social uh, leaning, social station in life and all that, people that are close to the church, people that are not, you know, you have, you, so you starting point is really understanding the, doing some, what consultants would say, requirements gathering. And requirements gathering will come from, uh, engaging those who have gone through this in practical terms. And based on that, you can begin to distill all the different scenarios, possibilities. And based on those possibilities, you can then begin to come up with ways of um, uh, providing solutions to, to it. Uh, you know, so process is very key. Um, low mentioned uh, process. How does church leadership Again, as I said, yes, we'll be willing to uh, engage the church leadership, uh, but more importantly is that mindset needs to change. And then once the mindset changes, we now need to look at how to create processes. It's all about structures. When you're building institutions, it's all about creating all the necessary structures and processes that will ensure this happens. Um, Today, we talk about uh, our mission work will create new churches, uncharted and chartered churches, we have different categories of churches, we will then have to incorporate the technology implications based on experiences that we've had in the last one year, for example, um, to all these different types of churches. And of course, the leadership, this can be incorporated into, you know, we have all these documents um that guides uh, the church structure and all that that can be incorporated into it because it's now we're now in the new normal so really we have to live our lives uh, accordingly you know and all that so uh, i i i think that is the way to go about it uh, looking at i mean we have to deal with mindsets uh, once we've dealt with mindsets we then deal with the processes In coming up with the processes, we need to identify all the different scenarios, possibilities. And um, uh, Reverend Phillips has, I mean, had done a great job. In fact, he's made his uh, presentation a bit livelier in the sense that he has put uh, the practical uh, situation or conditions that uh, they faced. Uh, I would probably say they are in the middle so to say but again i deliberately avoided trying to uh, classify the churches in the in the districts i didn't want to get into the politics of uh, of that you know but the the real issue is um we need to uh, adopt a global a more global view if we want to adopt this otherwise it will just be a vgc thing alone and um, it may not but the other the other way of looking at it is that vgc might have a very robust structure which can then be exported to the national you know so it must start from somewhere because starting from the national we not really get too far because of different biases different beliefs and all that so it's it's important to to note that um, sister odera again tried to uh, i think uh reverend phillips really responds really uh, uh, more or less addressed sister odera's question in terms of, even in a digitally savvy environment like this, we have members that are novice, you know, uh, members that probably do not have the wherewithal to buy the necessary data or the gadgets to be able to connect to, to, to this platform. I think it's a balancing act. There's no one side, one, one way to deal with this rather than a combination of so many things supporting those who may not have the opportunity to, to do this, looking at other uh, platforms that you can use to reach them beyond uh, the, the standard um, platforms that the church uses. You know, For example, I know uh, here uh, in the VGC church, we probably, okay, well, we also do that. Well, after service, we send out the voice uh, sermon, to members. Again, it's for us to ensure that everybody is on the platform as much as possible. So maybe we want to review our policy on um, WhatsApp, because I think today what we just have, we have the CFM group, we have the FWI, uh, maybe the youth have theirs, but the question is is there a process around who gets in and who is, you know, uh, members, worshippers, what kind of access or what kind of um, features or things that can they do on those platforms. We need to also begin to start putting rules around uh, using those platforms as well. Because I see at times people send messages that are not relevant to the platform, you know, and all that. So all those things need to, uh, there are processes that we need to go through to ensure. Because I think today, I'm not sure there's any formal um, process that the church has put down in terms of use of WhatsApp group you know so i think those are things that will begin to guide the way we we deal with it i, I hope i've um, tried to touch on a number of uh, what i did was to distill the questions and uh, try to give uh, uh, one response to, to, to them rather than taking them individually so implementation uh, is always a major problem a key problem but we can take that on on an holistic uh, looking at an helicopter view to deal with with this, bringing all the experiences of everybody uh, to the table.
3: Thank Thank you you so, so very much, sir. Uh, I'm sure it's been a very enlightening session for those of us on site and those that are online. Brother Demola has taken us through all the technical jargon. And I'm sure by the time we are leaving here today, we are all more knowledgeable. And I'm sure the DO is going to award all of us a Certificate in Technology um, <laughs> today because um, of all the technical terms we've learned today. Data analytics, data intelligence, how we can use it for church growth. He's talked about Internet of Things. So the ushers do not need to be head counting. I mean, the system just begins to count. It's talked about robotics, It's talked about um, automation, so many things he's put on the table. And I think the best and exciting things he's put on the table today is more work for everybody. And I'm sure we're all excited about that because sometimes we think that when we embrace technology that the work gets less. In actual fact, the work gets more. And we all need to reskill, and he said upskill, both from ministers, heads of departments, and all followers. Thank you very much, Brother Dimola. Um, It's been a great pleasure having you here. And thank you for the opportunity to moderate the session. Have a great day, everybody.